You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show. Good morning, everybody, and good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. It's good to be with you. Thank and, you. It's uh, good to be with you, too. Our weekly get-together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely look forward to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to uh, a whole bunch of things. I'm looking forward to coming out of this. I'm looking forward to getting back into the studio. Um, I, I, I think the time is coming. I think we can yes. finally look to, to the future. So thank goodness for that, because I, I have wrestled with Zoom noises and distractions. I'm interviewing guests and it's like, okay, I'm under construction here. I got a dog walking in. So I know it is the Zoom age, but still I find it a little bit stressful. So I'm looking forward to being back in the studio. I got to tell you. Uh, and today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. But please do follow us on our social sites. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Our email is thhradiomaria.ca. And you can subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub, no spaces, on iTunes, SoundCloud, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can find all of our um, podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybsa.com. Today, we have two young entrepreneurs on the show. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of energy. You're going to really love them. Um, and they have a company called Arcadia Microgreens. And Arcadia Microgreens is a sustainable urban farm operating in the heart of Ajax, Ontario. And they produce a variety of nutritious microgreens for direct home delivery across the GTA. And microgreens are the seedlings of edible veggies like radishes, broccoli, and cabbage, and are harvested uh, only one to two weeks after germination before their true leaves start to grow. And microgreens are known to have up to about 40 times the nutritional density of their mature counterparts while adding stunning garnish flavors and textures to any meals. We'll start, we'll talk about that a little bit, how to use them. Sean Pava and Mitchell Downham are the founders of Arcadia Microgreens, and they have always been very interested in food as medicine. Sean is an, an, a vegan and environmental scientist, and Mitchell is a personal trainer. Uh, they were inspired to start their small business when they learned about microgreens and how they can be grown in a vertical hydroponic system to provide their local community with fresh and nutritious food all year round. And as a sustainable urban farm, they are focused on innovating the food system by reducing food miles and land use. Really ingenious uh, young men and a pleasure to have them on the show. Some of the things we'll be talking about are what in fact microgreens are, why they are so healthy for us, and how vertical farming is innovating the food system. So everybody, we will be back in a few minutes to talk to Sean and Mitchell.
out this morning, saw a world full of trouble. Now I thought, how do we ever get so far down? And how's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty. Children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. Yeah. I created you. If not us, then You are listening to Radio Maria Canada.
We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, today's show is being taped, so no opportunity to call in. Um, but please do follow us on our social sites. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, Mitchell and Sean, welcome to the show. Hi, so glad to be here. Uh, it, it's it's such a nice it's such a nice treat for me to have young entrepreneurs on the show. And what your business model is uh, obviously resonates with me and. Um, the way I like to eat and the way I like to recommend food. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. So you guys have been friends since when? So we actually met during uh, first year of high school. So we're so how many years 24. ago was that? How old are you guys? Yeah, we're both 24 right now. Okay. So that was quite a number of years ago, maybe I think. Eight. Oh, that's, that is all relative, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you go. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to us, to us. <laughs> so yeah, we both met in high school. Um, we have this like friend group that's been friends for like a very long time. And ever since we were little kids. So um, Sean and me and my friend group all kind of connected and linked up. And once we did, we really became super close friends. Uh, we loved collaborating on tons of projects together. And then over the course of university, even though we were on separate paths, we lived in the same neighborhood. So we just sort of stayed tight. And after university, we sort of decided to embark on a project together. We always had this running joke that when are we going to come up with the, the team business? Or when are we going to come up with the squad business? And we would always make jokes about what it could be. And it would always be these like ridiculous or outlandish endeavors. And then I guess, when when was it? In the summer of last year yeah in the summer of 2020 i would say yeah so in the summer of 2020 we sort of saw it came to our attention about microgreens and how you could start a business getting into urban agriculture and we were like hey wait a second this is actually pretty feasible of a thing to do um what kind of steps do we need to do it and we sort of took a little bit of a risk and we went all for it so does this resonate with beliefs of yours or was this just an entrepreneurial entrance into business yeah so it actually super resonated with both of us um based off of our background so i'll go first and then i'll let sean talk about his so for me i grew up always doing sports and martial arts specifically taekwondo i my parents got me into it when i was four or five years old and i did it my whole childhood growing up I got my black belt in Taekwondo and became a martial arts instructor. So I taught Taekwondo classes. Then I moved on to Muay Thai and boxing, jujitsu, other martial arts. Then I became a personal trainer. So whether I was training myself or I was training with clients, helping friends get more fit, uh, nutrition and wellness and organic eating and food played a huge factor into the success of everything. It's so important, as you know, being mm -hmm. a nutritionist. Um, for recovery, for health, for actually you know, losing weight, being at a healthy weight. It was just so important. And then also in my backyard, over the last four years, I got very into organic gardening. So my backyard actually used to be like completely untamed wilderness. It was just a rectangle of pure Ontario wildland field. There was nothing going on back there except for <laughs> eight foot tall flowers and really sturdy grass 
nothing going on that you wanted back there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, so just something funny. Lots of people, like sometimes I let my friend Lon get like that a bit too. And my house is flanked by people who just have paved stones on both sides. And I really like it when the lawn turns into a field because it sort of looks like a, like a conservation area. And there's always like bunnies and little birds in there. And I feel like I'm providing a little slice of wilderness for them mm-hmm. where everything else is just asphalt and stones. But mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> off, off the point, um, in my backyard, basically, I started experimenting with organic gardening. Sean really helped me out with that. And every year I've just been growing more and more beans and tomatoes and really establishing the relationship on how food is grown and like becoming connected with that. Like, Oh, what does a real vegetable look and taste like? And Mm -hmm. as you know, it's way different than what you get into a, in a grocery store. Yes, it is. And once you go down that path, there's really no turning back because you just can't capture that, that taste. (laughs) A, A tomato you grow out in the garden is like, meaty all the way through and then mm-hmm. get in the store and it's just water <laughs> and flavorful and flavorful like so many flavors yeah so for me that was my passion in i guess organic vegetables and agriculture and i'll let sean talk a bit about his okay sean Hi, yeah. yeah so my my background comes along from my family being very interested in growing and producing their own food and preserving their own food as well so we would grow all sorts of tomatoes and peppers um carrots um beans and we would take the carrots and peppers and we can them and save them for the whole year so we were really growing a lot and just trying to save a lot and i come from that that farmer background where oh if we have a piece of land i have to start growing on it you know like that's that's what i'm feeling um canning so, uh, and pickling too that's actually i've just um that's just something i've done a little bit of it but it's something that i've just really started taking a really deep dive into uh, it's wonderful yeah it's a whole it's a whole different uh ball game really it it's is totally it takes your fresh food and you now you can save it and have it during the winter and mm-hmm. it just tastes totally different and still having it being homegrown it's, uh, it's a treat every time mm-hmm. and you're a vegan are you yeah, so uh, back in high school, I started taking environmental science classes because I found, I guess, from my background, I'm really interested in sustainability and the environment and environmental sciences. Um, and I started taking all these courses in high school about the environment. And I started learning about how agriculture and specifically animal agriculture um, was actually producing a lot of greenhouse gases and is bad for the environment in many ways. Um, so I just became plant-based just to try to mitigate my greenhouse gas emissions and just have the mi- like minimum impact on the environment. Um, so becoming vegan, I had to learn all about, you know, the macronutrients, the micronutrients, like what am I actually putting into my body? Um, I had to be aware of where am I getting my protein? Where am I getting my, you know, my vitamin K, um, vitamin B12 is something that vegans have a lot of trouble getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of supplemented and fortified with other foods, but yeah. So I just had to like really learn about my own diet, um, and that really got me into food and nutrition. Got, oh, so and that's the stop point. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to go on. Okay, so microgreens now have popped onto the radar screen, um, and what was your approach to them? Do you, are, are they, are they cultivated in this open space? How, how are they cultivated? 
so basically um when it came into like us getting into the the agricultural world right like we wanted to start a business that uh you know took our strong suits of our love for organic vegetables and to make it feasible for us to do so obviously you know we're in our early 20s straight out of university spent all this money on tuition and we're looking in the job market we don't have the greatest amount of resources to uh, take super high risk ventures, right? Mm-hmm. So, with microgreens, the way they're grown is they're grown on a very small piece of area, like a very like you can grow them in a house, you can grow them in any small facility. Um, if you're not doing it for business, you could grow them in a closet, really. Um, so, the thing about microgreens that really appealed to us is like it was very low risk to start up. Like there's a low capital that you need to start up and it's a great gateway into the world of agriculture. So if we wanted to get into traditional agriculture, there's really high barriers of entry, right? You need to have a lot of land, you need to lease these huge industrial sized equipment. Um, and then there is just this giant competitive world of big business operating these huge farms. And it's honestly, if you don't go and work for an already established farm, and you're like, you're going to have a very hard time starting it up, especially with nothing, especially at a young age. Mm-hmm. So it was really a great way to enter and for it to be scalable. And as for how it's grown, um, Sean, if you would like to talk about that. How the microgreens are grown? Yeah, like how they're grown, like in a, like a working farm. Yeah, so microgreens, they're a very small scale food. Um, Mm -hmm. You can grow them, like Mitchell was saying, like in a very small area. And what makes them special is that you can grow them vertically. Um, There's a few different types of plants that you can grow vertically. Uh, Baby greens, lettuces, they grow well vertically, but stuff like tomatoes, you're not going to be able to grow vertically. Mm -hmm. Um, But being able to grow vertically and indoors, taking crops off of the soil, um, sorry, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Just continue. How about we start here? Um, a lot of people may not know what a microgreen is. So what is a microgreen and how does that compare to a sprout? Yeah. So what are microgreens, right? Yeah, if we keep talking about microgreens. We don't even, we haven't even mentioned what they are. Uh, so microgreens are the sprouts of your favorite vegetables, like broccoli, radish, all that kind of stuff, but only sprouted just out of the seed for about like seven to 14 days, maybe all the way up to 21 days, depending on what you're growing. Um, so it's just the seedling and you harvest it, you cut off the roots and you just eat the seedling that comes out the top. They're grown in 10 by 20 inch, uh, trays, like the propagating trays that you would get from like a garden store. Um, and they're just seeded very densely so that they're all just kind of pop up at the same time They have like a, a thick canopy of these seedlings that are coming out. Uh, and then you harvest it, you cut off the roots, you cut them away from the roots in the growing medium and you just eat the microgreens themselves. And the thought is, is that all the nutrients, uh, those dense nutrients uh, are all grown in the seed or they're in the seed. And then when you germinate the seed, the living nutrients enter into the actual microgreen and that's what we're trying to harvest. That's the, the nutrients that we're trying to get. So, um, so you, you mentioned broccoli, radishes, I think. 
what's the difference nutrient wise between a sprout, say a broccoli, we'll concentrate on broccoli, a broccoli sprout versus a full blown broccoli plant? Yeah. So they've been doing some testing, I guess, um, research behind this kind of stuff. And they've been uh, trying to test are microgreens actually more nutritious based on that like theory I just mentioned with the seeds. Right. Um, and what they found was that well, if we're focusing on broccoli microgreens, um, the broccoli microgreens have much, much, much higher sulforaphane content. Okay. Uh, and sulforaphane is a antioxidant that um, it's like a sulfur based antioxidant that helps reduce cancer apparently. Um, Maybe you can speak more on this, but I don't know <laughs> if you know. You guys about talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so furofane, um, it's very, what am I saying? Like dense in um, broccoli microgreens and more yeah. than the plant. So, um, yeah, so for like, for example, if you can imagine like the seed sprouts and mm -hmm. all the nutrition and the vitamins go straight into the sprouted plants and it helps it grow in this like super young stage. So when you have like, just say like a broccoli microgreen, you have very little fiber material. It's just a tiny plant, but it's using a high density of nutrition stored within the seed, right? So when you're eating a big handful of broccoli microgreens, you could be eating maybe a handful of 50 broccoli plants. So mm -hmm. you have this nutrition profile that's stored within the seeds of those 50 seeds that you're eating and you don't have to process out a ton of fiber. But when you have a huge thing of broccoli or a huge thing of celery, whatever it may be, now the plant is getting hardy. It has to survive the elements. So you have this huge fiber content that sort of it's storing water and it's stretching out the nutrients over the entire vegetable. Mm -hmm. So it's not realistic that we're going to be eating, you know, three or four heads of broccoli all at once. Right. Right. Now, what is the taste comparison between uh, a microgreen and the, the actual matured plant? So they all taste sort of different. So broccoli definitely has a almost like mildly spicy flavor. Mm. Um, it definitely has that uh, sort of signature like taste that cruciferous vegetables have. Radish tastes exactly like radish. It looks like just a thin stem with two small round leaves at the top and it tastes as spicy as a full radish bulb. So if you eat a handful of it, you're in for a spicy treat. Um, <laughs> then we also have something like sunflower. So you can eat the microgreens of sunflower, but you can't eat the mature form. It gets too fibrous, too woody. Uh, nobody's going to enjoy it in a salad. But Why would you grow sunflower? That's not a common one to me. No, so sunflowers are actually high in protein content, and they're one of the biggest microgreens that you can have. So for it's hard to imagine if we're like for people who haven't been eating microgreens or are familiar with the crop, but microgreens are very delicate plants. They're very thin and tall. Sunflower is actually a very thick microgreen with a very meaty type of stem and leaf. So for anybody who's, you know, just say vegan or vegetarian, they're looking to supplement high levels of protein into their diet, um, or they need plant-based food that's a little more filling or a little more dense. Um, sunflower is a great one and it tastes amazing. It's honestly one of my favorite ones. 
it makes me want to eat a full-grown sunflower, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have a quick, are they all grown at about the same seven to, to 14 days? Is that the, the germination period for basically all of them? Yeah, so basically some of them take a very short time to grow. So, for example, radish, we can grow it in eight days or nine days, whereas other ones take a lot longer. Sunflower takes about 11 days. Um, but then you can start moving into herbs. There's a whole catalog of oh. herb seeds that we can grow, like micro basil or micro cilantro. And these can take longer. They can take 15 to 28 days to grow. So the way we structure this in our farm, if I can paint a picture of how we grow, there's a vertical rack, like a shelf, right? With multiple levels. And it's strung with grow lights and fans for airflow and to stimulate the growth of the plant. The 1020 trays that Sean was mentioning sit on these levels and we sell microgreens every single week, which means we need two harvests always going because they're pretty much ready within eight to 14 days, at least the varieties that we grow. So we have one harvest going and the other harvest is halfway done. And we're always cycling these two crops, but we can't plant them all on the same day. Because something that we want to really emphasize about what we're doing is the nutritional content of these greens is absolute highest when they're living. And as soon as you cut them, whether it's any vegetable, any microgreen, anything in the store, we begin having the vegetables start to decompose. Even if it's refrigerated, it is very slowly starting to lose nutritional content. So we want to harvest our microgreens and deliver them to our customers or consumers, whoever's eating them on the same day. That's very important to us. We want people to have that living nutrition. Uh, so that means when we're dealing with greens that have all different uh, grow times or length of germination, we need to actually stagger those crops. So for example, on a Sunday, we plant our red cabbage and we plant our peas. And then on a Tuesday, we plant our radish. And then on a Thursday, we'll plant something else so that when the Saturday of our harvest comes around, every single green, no matter the variety, is ready to harvest at full maturity. And it all goes out to our customers all at once. And it is the freshest product that we can deliver. It's, it certainly is. Uh, it sounds like a, a lot of work and a lot of passion that you're putting into what you do. It's, it's wonderful. We're going to take a quick break here. And just to prep you guys, I'm going to start asking you a little bit more about the, the growing process. Everybody, um, just give us a few minutes and we'll be back to continue our conversation with Shauna Mitchell. Welcome back, everybody. We are having a great conversation here with, um, I keep saying, I always say great conversation, but every it's funny, I come back and I always am so, um, you know, we're gonna start that over again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We are talking with Sean Pava, right, Sean? That's right, Sean. Sean Pava and Mitchell Downham. They are um, wonderful new young farmers from Acadia Microgreens. And we're going to continue on this line of conversation because um, I had a quick question for you before we get into sustainability and, and the actual vertical farming. Can you mm -hmm. reuse these seeds or each time you are, are planting a crop, they're brand new? So each, each time the seeds are brand new. 
So okay. once once they've sprouted and they're grown, uh, that's it for the seeds. Um, and then with our next crop, we just need to use even more. Okay. Now, um, just for everyone to visualize, are these seeds grown in soil or are they grown in water? So they're actually grown in a medium called cocoa coir, which is basically shredded coconut husk. Interesting. Um, so you can, you can grow them in soil. That is 100%. You can also grow them on, there's one company that grows these on carbon fiber mats submerged in water trays. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty flexible about how you can grow them. Uh, one of the reasons that we're not using soil right now is just like, because we're starting out, it's a little difficult to source um, mm-hmm. proper soil and have it, it's going to be delivered in a pallet or something. And with every batch of soil you get, it, you introduce a lot of variability. Like some soils, like for this certain delivery might not be that great for growing microgreens. And why, why did you choose the medium that you did? So Coco Quar is a, or Sean, would you like to talk about Coco Quar? Yeah, I'll talk about Yeah. Yeah, so cocoa coir is very interesting because one, it's it's cheap because it's just the leftover material from coconut husks that are otherwise unused. So it gets compressed and sent to us in a very cheap way. Then we can expand it and we have a large amount. Are you talking about like the, the actual hard shell? Yeah, so the outside of coconuts are actually like that furry, like Brown, stringy. Right. Yeah, it usually gets husked before it gets sent to the stores. So you're left back at the coconut plantation, whatever. Um, You're left with just this like this furry pile of unusable material. Um, But then they they put it through a machine, they thrash it around, and then they get the the finer materials out. And then they compress that down to a brick, send it to us, uh, and then we can rehydrate it. And it works basically the same way that soil does except that it's completely inert there's no nutrients in it um it's just the fibers it's just fiber material and that's actually really good for us because for the microgreens we don't need to add nutrients into the soil for it to grow Uh, unlike normal plants where it you the seedlings need lots of nutrients to start growing um our microgreens all the nutrients are in the seed so this the coconut bar is just there to hold the seed in place and give it the right water content for it to grow properly. Very interesting. I did not know that. So uh, again, another uh, notch in the sustainability um, belt there because you're using products that otherwise would have gone to waste or pieces of plants that otherwise would have gone to waste. Exactly. We're always trying to close that circle and have everything be a loop. You know, Uh, anything that goes to waste, we find a way to reuse it. Now, do you guys grow your product outdoors or indoors? So it's actually indoors. Grown, yeah, it's grown indoors under lights uh, with fans and with our own uh, water input. Um, so nothing in nature is helping grow these, uh, these microgreens. We're all doing it indoors in a properly um, controlled environment. Yeah. Now, can you grow them outdoors? Is there a difference nutrient-wise? Do you ever get asked this question by, uh, you know, people that just believe in outdoor farming and growing yeah, we are uh, asked this question, actually. Um, if the naturally grown way of growing microgreens, like growing them outside in sunlight, is in any way different than the way of growing it indoors. Um, yeah, so that's that's an interesting question because, uh, A, there are factors outside that we just can't replicate. 
replicate inside a farm. Mm-hmm. For example, there's a huge bacterial world out there and there's a lot of good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. There's all sorts and it's all floating around. And that is just something we cannot replicate inside the farm. Mm-hmm. There's some people will think, oh, the sun is providing much healthier crops than a artificial light can provide, right? right? And this is, it's still a debated topic. When it comes to microgreens, because the seeds are providing the nutrition, the seeds are all organic and the seeds are all natural, for our crops, the nutritional profile is dependent on the seeds. The lights are there to really help it grow. And if if we were looking to grow the full version of the vegetable, then perhaps there might be some differences. Um, I'm sure there's some studies that look at that. But mm-hmm. for our area of expertise uh, and to our understanding, the microgreens are just as healthy and actually grow better inside in a controlled environment because of the sanitation. They're so susceptible to germs and diseases and molds and without proper airflow and us constantly checking it um, they would have a hard time surviving because we plant them so dense Mm -hmm. also the sun is very harsh on young plants especially seedlings you would not be able to grow these types of plants in the way we're growing them at such high density under direct sunlight Um, you can grow them in a greenhouse that's for sure but the beauty of what we're doing is we can produce 24 hours, 365 days a year. It doesn't matter if it's winter, summer, and this is just great for food production, right? You know, we don't have to import fresh vegetables from across the world. We can have them grown locally and we can eat them fresh just as they're harvested. And this, you know, whether there's a slight difference in nutrition, which they're really isn't with the microgreens um this is just a huge huge factor that saves a lot of nutrition in the plant over the long run so truly food to table exactly um, yeah exactly. It's, it's literally as fresh as it can possibly <laughs> as it can possibly be and you deliver out to your your customers or do you have a store uh, we deliver out to our customers. You deliver yeah. out. Now, vertical farming is something that you, you touched upon, I think, <laughs> at, at the beginning of the show. We really didn't talk about it. Now, a lot of people may think about vertical farming as the, the towers. You know, they're all out now on advertising to grow, uh, grow your, farm, your lettuces and everything in the, in the garden towers, of which I have one. Um, is that what you mean by vertical farming? Oh, it's very nice to hear that you have a, a tower. Those are, they're so fun, like hydroponically growing things in a tower. Um, and yes, that is kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about vertical farming. Um, the, the idea of getting things off the soil, like off the floor and into like a vertical space. Um, but in recent years, we've actually seen this on much larger scales. So like me and Mitchell are doing here at the Arcadia farm, um, growing things on a shelf, they actually have shelves that are like two, three, four stories tall, um, just shelf after shelf, oh. producing these field greens that um, would otherwise have to be grown in a field. But here they're grown indoors, basically in like a, a warehouse. Um, and that, that's great for sustainability reasons, because the way that we are growing food right now using our conventional farming systems is degrading our soil very quickly. Um, the idea of using the large machinery to overturn the soil, 
uh, it's compressing the soil and then you're flipping the soil and you're allowing all these small particles to get carried away in the wind. And then you're losing soil structure. You're losing soil nutrients because those bacteria that are growing in the soil, like every time you turn it over, you're destroying those bacteria colonies and it's just destroying our soil very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, did I mention I have space, a background right? in environmental science? <laughs> the, 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 I mean, just, just, you know, visually the space of growing up as, as opposed to, you know, using the, the flatbed, um, it, it must be completely innovating um, uh, in, the, in the food system right now. Yeah, you can grow acres and acres in a small space. Mm -hmm. uh, and what's great about vertical farming is that you can do it in an urban environment. Um, you don't need a warehouse, you can just grow it at, you know, in your own home, in your backyard, in your uh, basement. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, it's becoming and more and more popular. Actually, I got a, a good friend of mine uh, for Christmas this year gave me, um, it's, it's like a, they're pods and you put them in this container and you fill it with water, but you stick the pod in and then there's a light over it. And um, they have a number of different varieties of things, very small scale, of course, but it, it, it grows beautifully. Um, I was very impressed. And, and you can go from small things like that. I mean, you can get as elaborate as you want if you want to be indoors and growing your food. And I think it's wonderful because a lot of people don't have the space uh, and, and can, get, um, it can get so much from, from growing indoors and vertically. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. I think it's a, it's a great thing. And I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing attention to this. So whereabouts is your, um, would you call it a farm? Would you, your place? Let's call it a place. Whereabouts is your, your, your farm place located? So we are growing uh, in Ajax and we're distributing our food throughout the central GTA area. So Ajax, Ontario. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. So we wanted to grow our food local um, just for the reason of like, that sustainability, uh, not having your food sent so far away, coming from mm -hmm. so far away, frozen, um, kept in like nitrogen gas, so it doesn't ripen and all that. So we wanted to maintain the freshness, like we were saying before, that same day harvest, we, we really care about maintaining the freshness and reducing the food miles that are associated with the food that we eat every day. Mm -hmm. Food miles would be like the amount of CO2 that is used uh, to ship something from far away and the food that is goes to waste as it decomposes on its way. Right. Um, we're trying to eliminate all of that, you know, keep a sustainable Absolutely. operation going on over here. And are people <laughs> gravitating towards, um, your new business? Are you, are you reaching a lot of people now? Yeah, for sure. There's, um, there's quite a lot of people that have definitely been interested in what we're doing, um, that we've delivered to, but, one of the, I guess, the the thing that limits us is our rate of expansion. So we've been selling out our products for the last six weeks now. Uh, we can only grow so much per mm -hmm. week. Right. So it's really, we just are scaling up our business slowly and sustainably and trying to reach as many people as we can. Do you have any plans for the future or near future or farther oh, yeah. down the road for expansion? What are you hoping to get into? Yeah, so uh, the, the first thing for expansion is we're trying to experiment with new types of seeds. So right now we grow sunflower, red cabbage, 
broccoli, uh, green peas, radish, and uh, we also have wheatgrass that we grow as well. But we're trying to get into other varieties. So there's uh, rapini. Um, we're trying to get into other radishes, coriander, beets, mustard, microherbs. There's all sorts of varieties, and each comes with its own uh, unique set of challenges. Um, but so, are they all grown the, uh, the same way, I'm assuming? It's just the, the actual mm-hmm. cultivation and time. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like in the grow process, just for example, like we'll sow some seeds in the coconut fiber, right? Mm-hmm. We'll water the seeds and then we'll put another tray on top of it with a weight on top. And the weight will help the seeds push their roots down into the grow medium. And then it also provides some resistance for the seedlings so that they develop healthy, strong stems and they right. all grow at the same time. And then after a couple of days, we'll flip this tray and allow the seedlings to stretch in a blackout environment. So this makes them tall. And then Interesting. After a so it's days, not just plopping them into the medium and watering them. No, there's, there's multiple stages to each ah. seed, the way we grow it then it has to go under the grow lights and then it has a certain amount of days before we want to harvest it. We don't want them to get too, uh, too fibrous or too woody. So we still harvest them while they're young, but each seed has a specific number of or time that it's in each phase of the grow cycle. So every time we introduce a, a new product or like a new crop, we have to figure out for ourselves, how many days do we black out the seed? How many days does it need to germinate? How many days does it need under the grow lights? And how does that fit in with an alternating harvest schedule like we have? So, Interesting. so every new product we put forth, like everything we want to grow, we have to kind of, tr- we can look online all we want, but everybody's grow space is different. Right. So we have to use a trial and error process, sort of like the scientific method to figure out what best suits our farm. So going back to your question, uh, plans for the future would be to expand in that way. Mm-hmm. It's also to expand the amount that we can grow. We're we're having a hard time keeping up with the demand. So our next steps are buying more trays, buying and hooking up another rack with lights and fans, mm-hmm. and then another. We can we can grow up to ten to twelve in our current space before having to move somewhere else. So. We well, just... It sounds like the business model is working well for you. Now, before we end the show, a very <laughs> key question that I think that we missed during all of this is how do you suggest people consume microgreens? Okay, that's huge. It is. Um, yeah, so <laughs> one of the best, like, for me, I, I come from, <laughs> like, fitness martial arts background. So, like, I'm so used to meal prep and cutting weight for competitions and whatever. So I just honestly eat them by the handful most of the days. But for 99% of everybody else, you can use them in so many different ways. So garnishes for soups, salads, integrated into salads. So a salad mix with radish and cucumber and bell peppers, feta, onions, any type of salad you wanna make, microgreens add incredible flavor, incredible color, and they're so unusual looking that anything you add them to just automatically goes to the next level. They mm-hmm. just, it just looks amazing. You could cook a piece of fish with 
rice on the side, you're meal prepping, and then you have a pile of microgreens on the side as well to pack in that dense nutrition and flavor. And then all of a sudden, your Saturday night dinner turned into a five-star restaurant. Exactly. <laughs> and you've kicked up your nutrition level so so easily. And that's one of the big things that I love about microgreens is that uh, I'm big into layering and, mm-hmm. and, and just by adding these things to your everyday plate, it's so exactly. easy. And, right. and I just, I want everyone to, to really, you know, pull from what we've been talking about today, how using microgreens can just really take it up a notch in your nutrition area. And we did talk a little bit about the sulforaphane and, and how important that is in, you know, many aspects and you're right, including cancer prevention, detoxification, but these microgreens are just an absolute boon for people who want to really start adding more and more to the to the nutritional plate. You guys, you've been wonderful guests to have. I really enjoyed having you on the show. I love your eagerness. I love how your business model is set up. And most of all, I'm very glad that you joined us today. And congratulations on your success. I wish you nothing but more success because when you have the good intentions and, and you're driving into an area that you really want to do well in and that you're really trying to make a difference and I, I think it's it's wonderful that you've, you've made this step into here. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We really, you know, we, we have a mission statement that we want to really expand health and bring wellness to everybody across the Toronto area. And it's, people have been supporting us on that journey and the energy we've been putting out has been nothing but great. And the energy we've been receiving from everybody has been so supportive and helpful and we're just so happy that there's space for it out here. And Absolutely. Just, and, you know, energy, positive energy draws positive energy. And, and, you know, we can tell by the way you both speak about your passion for this area that, um, that you're drawing the right people to you. So again, congratulations. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate the opportunity to get the word out. <laughs> Everybody, these are two entrepreneurs. Their company is called Arcadia Microgreens. When the um, podcast comes out, you'll have all the connections in case you want to. You're in the area and can benefit from what they do. Um, hopefully that is so. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.